You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Choose Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Choose Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Shoes on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Right, Earn Your Leisure Podcast, Episode 2. Uh, welcome back, welcome back. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to Episode 1. Um, continue to let us know your feedback, um, but we appreciate you guys. But we're going to get right into it. It's the second week, second episode. Um, so, Troy, where are we starting? Let's what, start what at the ending. Let's start at the proposed ending of the government shutdown, the longest shutdown in the history of the United, United States, 35 days um, 800,000 federal workers were without pay, lost two paychecks. Um, it was, it was a terrible story. Just the testimony to hear some of, some of these federal workers, um, losing out on, uh, the fact that they couldn't pay bills, the fact that they couldn't, uh, aff- afford food. I mean, you saw these stories, countless stories on the news in, in the recent weeks. And, um, it, it rose our attention as to something that we've heard before. Um, and that was, uh, one of the, the lines that Jay-Z said, in anticipation for precipitation, stack chicks for a rainy day. Um, and that rainy day could be anything. It could be a government shutdown. It, it could be um, a loss of a job. It could be a death in a family. Um, so those rainy days we have to prepare for. And what better way to, to talk about that than, you know, with our financial advisor about what that what things we could put in place to plan for these rainy days. Yeah, and no, that's a real world example. Like you said, that Jay Z line is is classic for a few different reasons. But I know we quote Jay Z a lot, but he says a lot of good things if you actually take the time to listen. When he said, "In anticipation for precipitation, stack chips for a rainy day," what he's really saying is that you got to put some money away, yeah. right? Like you know, at the end of the day, you got to put some money away in case of these type of situations. But it really highlights a, a broader point where a lot a lot of people, unfortunately, in America, you know. 
live paycheck to paycheck, right? right? So what happens, the, the danger in that is that when that paycheck stops, you're screwed, yeah. right? For lack of a better word. So, you know, you saw a lot of government employees on food lines and yeah. they couldn't eat properly. You know, they, they was... They couldn't pay their rent. Right. They, they couldn't do anything. And that really comes down to that they didn't have money saved. Right. Right? And one of the things, you know, it's hard to save money if you live paycheck to paycheck because the money that you get is the money that you're spending. Right. Right? So how do you ever save money if you don't have enough money to actually save? Yeah. Right? And it's no fault of their own. Right? A lot of Americans are in that predicament. Well, we can't say that because each individual situation is different. Right. Sometimes it is somebody's fault. Right. Sometimes okay. it's not their fault. Fair. Sometimes it is their fault. Fair. Because, you know, you might spend money on, on frivolous things. Yes. Or you might not, you know, pay yourself first. You might not budget. So we can't we can't just say that. Not in, I'm not saying in that term. I'm saying in terms of they did a job, right? They worked through this 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 shutdown and did not get paid for their the work. The government shutdowns is a lesson in the government shutdown Absolutely. though. Because you can't rely on anything. Really, right? Right. So the government shutdown was something that was just in the news. Yeah. But people lose their jobs every day. True. For a variety of different reasons. And right? that could be the rainy day. So that that could be their government shutdown. Mm-hmm. This was just something that affected a lot of people. Yeah. But it, it speaks to a broader sense of being prepared. Right. Right? Because this is something that could happen to anybody. Right. Whether it's, you're a government employee or not. Yeah, especially in, in one of the, the, the lessons that obviously we just said prepare for that rainy day, but also having one stream of cash flow, right? Once that one stream is done, exactly. That's, that's yeah, exactly. So that's one of the one of the books that one of the first finance books that I read when I was probably like eighteen years old was multiple streams of income, and really what the book was talking about was having multiple streams of income, right? right? For just this reason, they say the average millionaire has between, I think, four to seven streams of income um, because they understand that if one thing falls apart, they need something else to fall back on. Correct. So, yeah, there's a lot of different lessons that, you know, we can learn from in this unfortunate situation for government shutdown. And another thing to point out is that, unfortunately, you know, a lot of these workers were African-American, right? Yep. And um, it highlights even a broader problem Correct. in the country, which is the wealth gap. Yeah. Right? So we talked about the well, I talked about the wealth gap before, but I don't think... A lot of people don't fully understand yeah. how bad the wealth gap is. Yeah. So we in have this country. To, what, like, in a sense, it's like let's. Yes, people are living to paycheck to paycheck, but let's start dealing with some of the root causes. Why are we living paycheck to paycheck? Right. Know? So, so the New York Times had an article where they had um, Pew Research study that showed the average black family's net worth was seventeen hundred dollars. Correct. The average Latino family net worth was $1,900, and the average white family's net worth was 116000 But even in the statement, I remember you you, uh, telling me this over the summer, and I was, even I was a bit confused. I was taken aback, and then when I thought about it, I'm like, oh, okay, wait, somebody's net worth is more than somebody's rent, or less than somebody's rent. It was like, huh? But to understand it is to understand what net worth is and what goes into that and how that's even accumulated. Yeah, so net worth, yeah. Net worth is assets minus liabilities. Yeah. That's what it is, right? right? So a lot of times we hear like celebrity net worths and you said like people might see a celebrity and their net worth is $10 million. Right. But they think that that person has $10 million in the yeah, bank. Like we, right? we, heard, we heard Charlamagne say, look, I go to uh, celebritynetwork.com 
and it says I'm worth. He said uh, I'm worth twenty one million. I do not have twenty one million dollars in yeah, my bank account. Yeah, exactly. So net worth is is your assets minus your liabilities. Your assets is something like your home. If you have investments, retirement, that's an asset, right? Your liability is something that you're spending money on. So your debt. So if you have credit card debt, your mortgage, all that stuff. So a lot of times people have negative net worths, right? Because right. if, if you have if you have a thousand dollars in savings and you got five thousand dollars in credit card debt, now you have a negative net worth of four thousand dollars, right? Right. So that's what it comes down to. That's what, that's how they measure net worth. So in America, the reason why there is a, yeah. a lot of different reasons why the wealth so, gap is so, so that number again one hundred and sixteen thousand to sixteen hundred. You said. 1700 1700 So the, the, that huge disparity. Well, the, interest, the interesting thing about that is that the wealth gap now in America is actually larger than it was in 1990 in South Africa. So for people that don't fully understand the history behind that, South Africa used to have a political system called apartheid, right? And apartheid was legal discrimination based on race. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were black, you wasn't allowed to own a home. Okay. You wasn't allowed to start a business. You wasn't allowed to have a farm. So it was legally, it was a legal discrimination. Yeah. That was, it was legal. And we've seen similar things like that here. But, but yeah, but that was legal. Right. Like a lot of things that were done here were under the veil of laws that were put in place. Laws put in place, but to make it harder and they kind of mask it, but South Africa did they had no apology. Like yeah. this is this is what we're going with. Right. So the wealth gap is worse now than it was in nineteen ninety in South Africa. Yeah. That says a lot. Right? So I don't think people fully understand the ramifications of that. But one of the real world effects is what we see with the government workers, right? So the, these these people a lot of times we have negative net worth, so we have very small net worth. So when we're put in these situations where we lose our job. It's a crisis. Mm-hmm. One week can make it a crisis. One month, you might be on the street. Yeah. That's real. You know what I mean? So this is something that when we talk about saving, investing, pay yourself first, it's not just something that we just talk about. This is something that it, it really matters in real in real world scenario. Mm-hmm. And a couple of different factors how people, because people a lot of times they say like, well, what makes up a person's net worth? Yeah. Or like, how do you determine a net worth? Well, the, the, the number one way is home equity. Well, so there's a few different ways, but okay. there's three ways for the average American. Okay. There's three ways that a person will measure their net worth or what makes up a person's net worth. And that's home value. Right. Right. And that's also retirement accounts. Because that's a, most people, their investments that they have is, is in a retirement account, like a 401k at a job. And then it's inheritance that they might get mm-hmm. from, you know, passing of a, a relative or a parent, whoever leaves them an inheritance. So the problem in our community, African-American community, black community, whatever you want to call it, is that we lack in all three. Right. A lot of times we don't own the place that we live in. So we're renting. Right. So we can never have that as a value. Right. We don't fully fund or don't fully understand our retirement so we don't put enough money into that. So later on down your line, you don't have a nest egg saved for your retirement. Mm-hmm. And the biggest way, the most effective way to leave an inheritance is life insurance. A lot of times we don't have insurance. Right. right? So not only when we die are we not leaving somebody money, but we're leaving them debt. They actually have to pay. So they act, it's actually hurting them yeah. when we die. And you got to go to your religious organization and ask people to donate and do different things. So that's three ways right there that 
we fall behind. Yeah. And that that affects us as far as talking about the net worth. So all of it ties in. All of this stuff ties in. We talk about a lot of diff- we're gonna talk about a lot of different stuff on this podcast as the weeks goes on and even as this episode goes on. Yeah. Um, but it's important to talk about real world situations mm-hmm. and real world problems that affect the average person, not just a celebrity or not just, you know, a CEO of a company, but the average working people, because that's the majority of the people, right? So these are real world problems that are affecting us, affecting our community, and affecting the world, not just our community, it's, it's affecting the whole nation. So yeah. the wealth gap is something that it should, it should concern everybody. Whether yes. you're a black cousin, I want to get this clear too, because the message of financial literacy is for is for the whole world, it's for mankind, right? It's not limited to one race of people, but the struggles of any race of people should affect every race of people, right? So the struggles of of black people in America is bigger than just black people's problem. It spills over into every other community, so yeah. it's it's everybody's. Everybody should be alarmed by this. Statistic, mm-hmm. and everybody needs to play a part in improving the conditions. And it, a lot of it starts with education. That's true. A lot of it starts with education. So even like teaching with the kids with the school and learning about finances and learning about what a 401k is and learning a lot of this stuff starts with education. So that's why we're yeah. here as well, the properly educate. I, I remember one of the most important lessons you did uh, with our summer program was uh, you, you talked about the federal spending and you saw how much we spent on defense and how much we spend on education. And I think you posed the question, what would it look like if the roles were reversed? Right? What if we spent more on education and less? Well, we spend like 30 percent of the budget, something. Don't don't quote me on this, but yeah. around that, like thirty percent of the budget, the national budget goes to defense, the military. Yeah. Well, like four percent goes to education. Things even less. So it's yeah. like, okay, what's you know, that that's a that's that's telling right there. We spend Thirty percent on protecting, I guess you want to call it protecting our borders and fighting wars overseas in the military and the navy. You know it's important, but we spend four percent on, on education. Yeah, telling right. And so like when our our students saw that, they were like dumbfounded by it. But I said, and I think this is one of the messages we conveyed to them is like, look. If you want to see these things change, then you got to fight for these things. We're going to fight for them, but you're the next generation. You got to fight for them as well. Um, so that's important, man. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, all right. Okay. So, yeah, that's the, the government shutdown. Yeah. So, I, I, it's, it's very interesting that the, the shutdown has, has ended um, at this time of the year um, because, you know, it is a busy travel time. Um, the busiest airport in the country, Hartfield, Jackson, and Atlanta, um, saw... Workers calling out at an all-time rate, right? These these people were furloughed. They were working without pay. Um, I think 10% of the TSA called out, which in turn, right, you're fighting for national security. Right? You don't want to open the government until you have money for a wall. But the people who work at your airports are calling out, which is a national security emergency in itself. Um, so I can imagine what the mayor of, of Atlanta, who who is the, the, the mayor of the, the obviously the city, with the largest airport, what she's thinking in a time like this when she has a huge event that's about to happen in her city um, in the next uh, week or so. Um, so with that, you know. So we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going we're gonna to talk about the Super Bowl. Super um, Bowl. Right, before we start talking about the Super Bowl, 
Let's just get this clear. We're not taking a stance on Super Bowl either way. If you choose to watch the Super Bowl, not no problem with that. If you choose not to watch the Super Bowl, we have no problem with that. We're not endorsing the Super Bowl or we're not even bashing the Super Bowl. Everybody has the right to, to do what they want and to make their own decisions. I know that's a, you know, that's a hot topic right now with yeah. Colin Kaepernick and, you know, of course we support him. But, but like all things in life, we can learn from the business side of what's going on yeah. in the Super Bowl. And one of the biggest aspects of the Super Bowl is... Outside of the game. Obviously. Outside of the game is Super Bowl ads. Yes. Right? So, right. yeah, let's talk about that. Because marketing is something that I always had a passion for. Mm-hmm. And I think that business, any business that you're in, marketing is important. Right. It plays a part. No matter what you're doing, you have to find a way to market yourself. And there's a lot of different ways that you can market yourself. But studying Super Bowl marketing is an interesting case study. Yeah, when we looked at it, it, it was pretty astonishing. We, we, we saw a few things, and, and we're going to get into that, of how marketing is changing and how it looks on a large scale. So the Super Bowl, obviously, is the most watched uh, single sporting event in the United States. Uh, last year, it averaged 113 million viewers, um, I think, which was actually a decline um, from 2016 when they had 114 million, which was, was an all-time record. I think the Patriots versus Seahawks was the game. Um, but 113 million viewers, so obviously uh, marketing teams and firms know that this is the time where we can get the largest amount of people concentrated on one thing. It's a live event, which means you can't fast forward through it, so you have to sit through the commercials. So uh, what, they, what has happened over time is people have spent large amounts of money to get their ads on during the commercial breaks of the Super Bowl. Um, in 2000, the average cost for a Super Bowl commercial was $2 million. Right. Last year, the commercials were going for $5.5 million. For 60 seconds? For 30, 30, 30, 30 seconds, seconds. For a 30-second clip. So five, all right, so $5.5 million mm-hmm. for a 30-second ad. Ad. And not th- that doesn't include the cost of making the ad. So sometimes you have these over-the-top commercials with movie stars and all types of explosives and stunts. On top of paying those people, you got to pay just to put it on TV networks. Okay, so is it worth it? Well, let's see. So we can we can talk about a few companies um, that have done this model, and yeah, it has worked for some of them. Obviously, uh, Budweiser's has been doing this for multiple of years. They're probably the king of the Super Bowl commercials. I think this year they bought eight slots. Sorry, so if they bought eight slots at five five million, you're talking about forty million dollars just on commercials. Um, Doritos will be do- doing their same thing. Uh, so. Those companies, obviously, household names, we know them. But then you have companies uh, like GoDaddy. GoDaddy, game changer. <laughs> you want to talk about GoDaddy a little bit? Game changer. So, yeah, so GoDaddy, GoDaddy probably has the, the one of the best marketing campaigns for Super Bowl history, right? Well, they've been hit or miss. They, they started with a hit. Um, no. Okay, so GoDaddy is interesting for a few different levels, right? Because before Super Bowl... At least I didn't know what GoDaddy was, right? True. I think they, they they started their first Super Bowl ad in 2003. Overnight, everybody knew who they were. So anybody that's not familiar with GoDaddy, they, they, they host websites. So they had an ad in 2005. 2005, yeah. That was banned. At least half of it was banned. Pretty much, it was a uh, almost... Like half naked woman. Yeah, woman. It was, yeah. it was like a half naked woman in front of Congress, and her shirt kept falling off. It was crazy. <laughs> I actually watched the ad on YouTube, and 
But the interesting thing about it is that they had to know that that was never going to get approved. Right. right. It was worth the risk. No, it's worth the risk, but it's even more so. It's like they say, any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Right. So now you have a, a company who, because when your ad gets banned, it's like it's still on, it's on the internet. Yeah. It's still on YouTube, and it's media saying that the ad got banned. So now everybody wants to see what got banned. Yeah. What right? part it's like, did we not? It's see? like a movie that is banned from from TV or banned from the movie theaters. Everybody's gonna want to go see what that movie is about. Because why is it banned? Yeah. So go, Daddy, and so. I say this to say, it had nothing to do with actually website hosting, yeah. right? But it worked, right? They became a household name overnight. Mm-hmm. And then they followed up. You want to talk about the Bar Raphael ad? Yeah, so the, so they do the 2005 campaign with the congressional hearing. Um, then they make an important move. They get a sponsor, right? So they, they get somebody that is going to endorse their company. They take Danica Patrick, who was huge at the time. Danica Patrick, for anybody that doesn't know... A legendary NASCAR driver yeah. who is a woman, and um, that's very rare in yeah. NASCAR. So she, I don't know if she's still if she's still involved with NASCAR, but I think she retired. Okay, she's now um, um, the fiance to Aaron Rodgers. Is she? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so she um, she becomes the the face of GoDaddy. So they, they 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 still run the, the Super Bowl campaigns, um, but then, like you said, in 2013 they have the uh, the perfect match campaign where they have the supermodel Bar Raffaele kiss this kid who's supposed to be a nerd, and again it has nothing to do with the website hosting. It's just the imagery that sells, and it's like this becomes the most popular commercial. So from that, the next day after the Super Bowl, they watch um, their website gain. 40, 40% increase on uh, searches. They get 10,000 new customers. Um, 35% um, increase of the mobile use. Uh, mobile use. They had their best day ever. Their best day ever after that campaign. Ever. And it wasn't just a kiss. It was like, it was like 30, the whole commercial with them kissing. Yeah, it, it was so almost it was like Very unawkward situation to watch. <laughs> Bar Raffaele is a, is a Victoria's Secret model, Right. And it was this guy, he was like, he's like an actor, but he always plays like the nerd, the yeah. geek type dude. So they just randomly start making out for 30 seconds. Yeah. And that's the ad. That's it. Literally within hours, GoDaddy's website spikes crazy. And like you said, the next day their hosting went up 45%, domain went up 40%, new mobile 35%, they added 10,000 customers. They literally had their best day ever, ever after that ad, which had nothing to do with anything. It really had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it was just a kissing ad. <laughs> they had a supermodel kissing a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, so like that works, and then they, they, they run some more ads, and then up into 2016, they realized like, all right. Maybe we don't need it. We, we don't, don't need support. We don't need it anymore. We don't need them anymore. We're going to stop. They made, they made their money already. They made their notoriety, and they left. Yeah. So then from that is a success, but then you got companies like Wix, which is another... Uh, hosting like a website similar to GoDaddy that decides to put this over the top campaign. They they hire um, uh, Gal Gadot. She is a Superwoman, uh, Wonder Woman. I said Superwoman. She's Wonder Woman. So that had just came out. They get her. She's one of the, an A list actress, and um, they see no spike. In fact, the numbers don't do anything. It, what the Super Bowl ad did was get traffic to their site, but customers didn't buy anything. Right. So that's 
you paid four million dollars, five million dollars, and all you got was traffic. Whereas we've seen other strategies that have been working in, in recent um, times to, of how to make marketing. Well, the game, the marketing game has changed. Absolutely. Right. Like the old fashioned way of marketing is to get in a magazine or get on TV and have an ad. Print ad. But yeah. that's changed now. Social media. Social media has changed the game. Social media has changed and it. Specifically, the, the influences. Power of influences. The power of them. Power of influences. I like to do case studies a lot. Yeah. Like anybody that follows me on Instagram, I, I, I like I like case studies because I'm just I just think it's interesting to examine different business models and how people work. So one of the things that is interesting to me is uh, Fashion Nova, right? I'm pretty sure everybody has heard of Fashion Nova, but if you haven't heard of Fashion Nova, it's a clothing brand. clothing brand. Yeah. Um, they have actually have men's line now. Yeah, they have a men's fashion over. They used to just be straight women, right? Yeah. So fashion over is interesting as a case study for a few different reasons. Yeah. But all right, so let's do the backstory on fashion over, right? So fashion over actually starts in two thousand and six. Oh. Okay. Right. So the owner Richard Shannon, I think his name is, um, he opened a store in California, in a mall in California, in two thousand and six. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was regular store. It didn't, you know, it wasn't doing anything. Within the last three years, Fashion Nova has exploded. Yeah. So in 2013, they opened, they, they have their website. They started their website in 2013. And mm-hmm. right at, when they start their website, they start with Instagram. This is like the earlier Early. days in Instagram. 2011, I think Instagram becomes like popping. Popping, right? But 2013 is when they got on. Yeah. So they were early adapters into Instagram. Okay. Right? So... Here's the brilliant here's the brilliant thing that Fashion Nova did. So they started at the top down. Meaning they got a few A-list, very big name social media influencers mm-hmm. and they paid them. Right? So they had Kylie Jenner, um Courtney Card no, Chloe Kardashian. Right. And uh Cardi B. Cardi B has um a couple others. Yeah. So they got A-list influencers, yeah. right? They paid them. And they made Fashion Nova blow up, right? Because it's like, if they're wearing it, if they're endorsing it, yeah. it means something, right? But the thing about Fashion Nova that people don't realize is that they actually have an army of influencers. So mm-hmm. Fashion Nova actually works with anywhere from three to 5,000 influencers, right? But a lot of them, most of them don't get paid, mm-hmm. Most of them don't get paid. They get free merch. That's how they get paid. Yeah. Because if you think about Fashion Nova, if you really look at Fashion Nova, they work with anybody. Like, you might see somebody with 10,000 followers, another person with 100,000 followers, somebody with 5,000, and they all do Fashion Nova. Like, yeah. ads. It looks like an ad, right? Like, I'm just having my Fashion Nova jeans. But what they did was that they made it, they made it, like, almost a privilege to promote their brand. Because yeah. once they had Courtney, Car- Khloe Kardashian and Cardi B, and everybody else wearing it that was A-list. Now, everybody that's aspiring to be them wants to put on Fashion Nova. And to their credit, they their thing is like, hey, we'll make the celebrity look affordable. So they've taken that model, that model and they've just expanded on it, right? So they, they've gotten these influencers. They've made the clothes that they like. And to women and men now will... So a, a T will say like this: these clothes fit amazing. Well, see, and the thing about that is that so they make a thousand items a week, but they have an interesting model because they don't 
they use 900 different producers to make their clothes in LA and China. Mm. So they have 900 different manufacturers in LA and China making a thousand pieces a week for them. They put it out and it goes straight to Instagram. Yeah. So it's constant new content and it's constant new product. Yeah. So the turnover is crazy, but yeah. they actually have over 3 billion Instagram impressions every single month because like I said, they have 3,000 to 5,000 influencers that are promoting Fashion Nova, even though most of them aren't getting paid. Because like I said, the most brilliant thing that they did was actually make it a privilege yeah. to promote their you brand. Sh- you should be seen in our clothes. Exactly. Yeah. Fashion So we, we've seen influencers get paid before, and one of the big stories of um past couple of weeks has been uh, Fire Festival uh, on Netflix. And um, for those who, who don't know what the Fire Festival documentary is about, it's a... Uh, it's about uh, a man, uh, Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule, who uh, have an idea. Now, on surface, the idea makes a lot of sense. It's um, Fire.com is supposed to be a site that bridges um, booking agencies and artists, right? So no longer do you have to have the middleman. I think uh, Billy in the documentary says he had to pay somebody to talk to Ja Rule. They didn't have to pay another guy to talk to Ja Rule. And so he said, you know what, rather than going this method, let's just... Cut the middleman out and let's create something where I can talk directly to the artist. Have their schedule and say, can I book you? On the service, great idea. I think it's a great idea. Um, to promote the site, they decide to create a festival, um, hence the title Fire Festival, uh, which would ha- which was supposed to be uh, sort of like a Coachella, but on a deserted island. An island that that he said he had owned in the Bahamas. In the Bahamas, um, so they wanted they wanted they, so they wanted to throw a music festival in the Bahamas, yeah. to promote the app. Absolutely, that's what it, that's what they were that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, and they figured so they they were smart about it. They said, listen, rather we'll, we'll get some marketing teams, but the biggest way to promote something now is through Instagram, just like you said with Fashion Over. The best way to do it, let's go through influencers. Um, so they have ten supermodels, like. Top of the line supermodel Chanel Iman is one of them. Um, Bella Hadid was one of them. And they said, you know what? Can you just put up this orange burnt square as, as the the logo for what we're about to do, right? And every day at this time, can you put it up? And they do it, and it gains traction. They hashtag it, the Fire Festival. And then they do something really smart, right? They say, hey, Who's the most popular person at the time, or one of the most popular persons or families at the time? Kardashians, and uh, they reach out to uh, Kendall Jenner and tell her, "Listen, we're going to give you two hundred fifty thousand dollars if you could just say you're coming to the Fire Festival to promote it." So they paid they paid Kendall Jenner two hundred fifty thousand dollars to put a post up just just a to post. say I'm excited about Fire Festival. Right, right. She does it, <laughs> um, and. I mean, the tickets sell out within 10 hours. They sell out so fast that they have to start making other accommodations. Like, listen, uh, I know you got the tickets for the, the festival. Here's the VIP passes. Then when those sell out and they realize that they don't really have the money to do this, then they have to start coming up with other ideas. Now you got a VIP bracelet. And it's, it's a whole saga. It's an unfortunate story because um, the idea on the surface of the app was great. The execution of the festival, horrible. A lot of people were devastated and affected by it. Um, and it is a complete botch. They ruined the entire thing. Like, people were showing up. They were sleeping in tents. It was terrible. 
And from that, lawsuits start coming out, right? So they start trying to sue Billy McFarlane, Ja Rule is caught in a lawsuit, and then Kendall Jenner gets caught in a lawsuit. And that's where it becomes interesting because people were saying, hey, we booked our tickets with the hopes that you were going to be there. That's the only reason we did it. So, like, if he's guilty of something, so are you because you promoted it. And all the other supermodels who were part of it also get that lawsuit. And it, it sparks something that is really, really evident, really key in the way that Instagram does things now. From that, we get the hashtag ad, right? So she's she's not found guilty at the time of any wrongdoing. But going forward, Instagram says, look, if you're going to promote something and you don't want to be held liable for it, you must tell us that this is an ad. You got to hold that as an ad because the interesting thing with that is that so in 2012, I had an idea for a fashion blog. I was there. Right? And the reason why I had the idea for the fashion blog is because I was following a fashion blog on Instagram, fashion page on Instagram. And I noticed that they were putting up ads without it actually making it seem like it was an ad. And I'm like, this is brilliant. Because what they were doing is that there was like a lookbook. So they would put like different looks up. And then every like five posts, they would have like, let's say a woman would address and they were like, it would just be like a regular ad, and they, then it would say like where you can get the dress from. Yeah, most people had didn't really fully understand what was being done, but I, when I saw it, I saw. I said, okay, they're paying her to put this up, and it's camouflaged as a regular post, but it's actually an ad. Yeah. So that it sounds simple now because we're used to seeing that, but in 2012. That wasn't normal. Yeah. I think after that, then they started putting um, the little tags. When you push the button on the dress, then it would tell you where to get it from. I think that came later. A little bit later, yeah. Later. So, but that's what Kendall Jenner was. And essentially, essentially that's what she did, right? Because she said, I'm so excited. I can't wait for Firefest. That's really an ad, but it's not really an ad, right? Because it's like, okay, to the people that's viewing it, they like, if she's saying she, she's excited, this for has it, to be it. It got to be something. Yeah, this is it. This has to be. They don't know she saying. got paid a quarter million dollars to say I'm so excited for this. Yeah. So now the federal government changes the law, and this is why today you see either at the top of the post it says paid advertisement, or in the actual caption it has hashtag, hashtag ad. ad. Yeah. Because now you have to have full transparency and to say. This is an ad because it was a very great line. If you see a commercial on TV, you know it's an ad. Or right. if you see a print on, you know it's an ad. But if you see somebody's Instagram page, you might not know it's an ad or not. Right. So you get a, a bunch of things. It, the, it was the fire festival. It was the herbal teas. It was the waist trainers. Like there was herbal all, teas. Herbal teas, right? Herbal teas and waist trainers. <laughs> like game changers. Yeah, like those things were just popping up, and it was like ad, ad, ad. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, we knew that all along, but like now you have to say it, and then from that. Facebook and Instagram are like, wait, these regular everyday people are putting up ads? No, we're going to stop putting up ads in your posts. So like now, when you go through your Instagram, there's ads everywhere. Every like every four posts is an ad, right? And that starts from, hey, if they're going to do it, we're going to make money too. Well, that's how they monitor. That's how they monetize yeah. the we're, social media. We're going to figure this out. We figured it out. People figured it out first. All right, you're making money. No, no, we got to make money too. But I think that was always the plan, though, with social media to 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 add because that's the only way you can really make money off of it. Yeah, right. I I, I told I taught a class about that where you they're selling your attention, so you bring your attention to social media, and based off of that, it's free. But nothing in this world is free, so you're paying for it with your time. 
and they're selling your time to companies. A valuable asset, your time, which you can't get back. The most, that's the most valuable asset. Yeah, you can't get that back. All right. Okay. Um, all right. So, yeah, we touched on a couple of different things this episode. Um, final word? Yeah, final word. I just want to make it clear that even though that the government shutdown has ended, it's only temporarily. Like if the president said in three weeks, if he doesn't, there's no compromise, the government could be shut down again. So, so people should really take heed to that. And some of the things you said earlier, obviously, would definitely be beneficial. Um, but there are a lot of things that are on the line if we get shut down again. You can't rely on the government. Right, well, they could, right so <laughs> the federal courts could run out of operating money to run their daily business. Um, food programs are in jeopardy of shutting down. Free lunch programs for schools. So there's a lot of things on the line um, if we get locked down again. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll end it with Jay-Z's line again. Just want that to sink in. In anticipation for precipitation, stack chips for a rainy day. Um, it's important. It's important, people. So, once again, thank you for joining us. We will see you guys next week. Um, peace. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.